you would remain standing and open your Bibles to John chapter 10. We're going to continue our study of John's gospel today. John chapter 10, we'll read verses 1 through 21. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Would you, by your spirit, even now, show us, reveal to us that you are the good shepherd, Jesus. Would you help us to see you as our good shepherd and to see ourselves as we truly are little lambs. Lord, this takes a work of yours and not mine, so would you be pleased to do it? In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I'm the bread of life, 
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, truth, and life. I am the true vine. Really familiar with all of these statements, the the seven great I am statements of Jesus scattered across this gospel. They're fantastic. But I think this one, this one statement, good shepherd stands out a bit. It's, It's a little bit different than the others. Light cannot speak. Vines cannot correct you when you're wrong. Doors remain doors. There's a lot of meaning and import in all of those, but I think this one stands out because it's a person. Jesus is giving himself in this I am statement here qualities that are inviting to us and ways for us to imagine who we are before him. Shepherds go after lost sheep. None of the other statements of Jesus, the I am statements, can do that. I think another reason that this resonates so deeply with us is we realize how helpless we are before God. There's something embedded here in this good shepherd that reminds us of the truth of who we are. We're sheep. I was around 10 or 12 years old. So before I say this, we don't really get this, okay? We don't get this ancient Near Eastern concept of shepherding sheep. It's a different deal. How many of you have a ton of sheep and this is what you do for a living, right? A lot of the things embedded in this, we don't really understand, right? This is open land sheep grazing, But I do think we can get this aspect of it. We we can, some of us can understand what it is to be lost and then to be found again. Have you ever been lost? I've been lost truly, I felt truly both times lost uh, and it is utterly terrifying. I was about 10 10 to 12, somewhere in there. My grandparents have land in Mississippi, and we were all out together playing, and everybody else went back, and I was in a creek bank, and I did not want to leave, so I stayed. And I don't know how long I went down the creek bank, but I kept going and going and going, and finally when I was like, oh no, this is not good, I climbed up out of the creek bank. It was real steep by that point, and I realized I I didn't recognize anything around me. That's a terrifying feeling. A kid in the middle of the Mississippi forest, alone, scared. So I have some of my wits about me not to just run through the woods in a direction. I kind of start going back up the creek bank, and it's a long ways. I had spent a long time out there, slowly walking up the creek bank. The sun was going down, it was evening. I was getting more and more scared by the minute. And then out of nowhere, I hear this far, far away, this very distinct whistle that only one person in my life could make, and it was my dad. 
I heard him ripping his whistle from a long ways off, and I could barely hear it. And it was the, it was the whistle that he used always to call us back to the house. He would come out and whistle this piercing, I wish I could do it, I would do it now, um, but I can't. Ne I've never been able to do that. But there was such comfort in that. Because I knew right then which way to go and that he was coming for me. That I was about to be found by my father. So, what, so many of these aspects of what it means to be a shepherd and have sheep are just going to be lost on us. Sheep, and we hear this all the time, but it's, it's really true, especially big, healthy sheep. They, they get in this condition called being cast. And literally, it's being cast down. They're so fat and healthy that they lay it on their side in some green grass, and they tend to wallow themselves until their legs face too far up for them to correct. And guess what happens then? They're stuck. Sheep are some of the only animals that do this. They can die right there. They must have a shepherd or they die. So all of that lies in the, the backdrop of this text today. We have to see ourselves as we truly are. Helpless. Sheep. Little lambs. Lost and in need of a good shepherd. This lesson resounds again and again and again through the scriptures. We heard it with Psalm 100 already. It is he who made us. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, God's people all lived out of this metaphor. They're all shepherds. The most famous of all the shepherds in Israel's history is none other than God himself. He went and snatched his little lambs out of Egypt. He said, you will not remain in bondage. I am taking you. And then he shepherded them through the wilderness. He led them. He went in front of them and was their rear guard. He, he led them in combat into the new land. He was himself their shepherd. He removes all their enemies, and he's the one making them to, to lie down in green pastures. He's feeding them. All of this is explored in this statement by Jesus today. The backdrop of what's going on here is no different than it was in chapter 9. Jesus had healed this blind man. Do you remember? Jesus comes on the scene, and he gives sight and then there's all this clamoring about Jesus and, and how he couldn't do this. He's demon-possessed, and these should be the leaders of Israel. This is the religious elite saying and doing these things. Do you remember? This is where the people took the man who had been born blind. They were like, hey, we need to take him to the highest authority that we can possibly think of. So they take him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees end up casting him out of the synagogue. At the end, we hear him, we see him worshiping Jesus. So this is kind of, all of this chapter is kind of commentary on that. What's going on there? Here Jesus tells us, and he tells us in two ways. One, he tells us that he is the door. And two, he tells us that he is the good shepherd. There are tons of contrasts here. There, 
contrast between Jesus and the false ways. Jesus and the false shepherds. These two great I am texts stand out here. And again, giving us marks of what is good and what is bad. The first mark of a bad shepherd is that they come to the people the wrong way. Like thieves and robbers. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Thieves and robbers enter the sheepfold by climbing in another way. What is, what is he talking about? He's saying this. He's saying what just happened in chapter 9. They refuse to see and acknowledge the glory of God in Christ. They refuse it. They try to explain away what happened. They refuse to bow the knee. Far from being true shepherds of God's flock, they care only to indulge their own selfishness. According to the text we read earlier, Ezekiel 34, they don't shepherd the sheep, they kill them and eat them. They enrich themselves and get fat. They care nothing for the flock. You're like, we don't have shepherds like that today. We live in, in an era of the Mars Hill podcast, right? We have the shepherds who are supposed to lead God's people well, and, but yet they're not coming in the way of Jesus. They're not coming in the way of humility. They're not coming in the gospel way. And so they're false shepherds. He's, he calls them thieves and robbers. And here's the essential thing about them. They're out for themselves. And we're going to see this time and time again as we go through this text. Far from protecting the sheep, they are out for themselves. They will kill the sheep to save themselves. We've all heard, or many of us have heard, the Mars Hill podcast, and we hear stories time and time again. It seems like there's a new one every week where not just anybody, but the prominent pastors with kind of large evangelical voices just utterly robbing, stealing. This text tells us something also that, that should hearten us. This is not new. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like we feel like, oh, our generation is the one that is having the rug pulled out from under it. No, it's not. This has always been this way, and I'm not saying that we should accept it and say it's good. We should have a little bit of perspective on it. God's word, Jesus himself, is telling us right here, this is exactly what happens. People who should lead the, the flock of God don't. How many spiritual leaders, pastors, elders, those in positions of authority in the church get into it for utterly selfish reasons other than the love of Christ and his church? He says, if you enter by any other way, you're a thief and a robber. J.C. Rowell comments, quote, nothing seems so offensive to Christ as a false teacher of religion, a false prophet, or a false shepherd. Nothing ought to be so much dreaded in the church, and if needed, to be so plainly rebuked, opposed, exposed, end quote. Any leader 
who comes espousing anything other than Christ and him crucified and risen, Jesus is saying you're a thief and a robber. How is Jesus contrasted to them? He enters by the door because he is the true shepherd. Verse 3, the gatekeeper knows him. Again, all of this is, is the context for it is given to us in chapter 34 that we read earlier of Ezekiel. All the shepherds had failed. They had utterly, all the leaders of Israel, the elders of the people, had failed the people miserably. Priests were thieves and robbers. False prophets abounded. And he said, no more. No more. God said, I, I myself will shepherd my people. I will go gather them. You have scattered them everywhere and I will go hunt them down one by one and I will lead them to good pasture. It's a huge contrast between these false pretenders and Jesus himself. He is known because he is this way. This next contrast in three through five, the sheep hear his voice. He calls them he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Listen, whose voice has kept the church alive all these centuries? Listen, mine is not powerful enough for that. You have never known a preacher who could accomplish this. It is Christ alone that accomplishes this. It is his voice. He knows his sheep by name. It's incredible intimacy. Who has the power to give sight to the blind? Who has the power to transform from utter darkness and give light? Only Jesus. He said there's this clear difference between him and all the others. And that difference is this, when he calls, the sheep hear and listen and come. He's the only one that, that has the power to do this. Just like me hearing that whistle coming from a long ways off, I knew in an instant who it was. I knew where he was and that he was coming for me and I was going for him. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's like, you're lost and all these others are pretenders. Hear my voice. I'm the only one to get you out of this terrible situation. When did, when did you become a Christian? Just as last week we said, our testimony is, is very clear coming out of John 9, right? I once was blind, but now I see. Here, it is also just as clear. It's this. It's when I heard my master's voice. When I heard the voice of the good shepherd, and I had, there was nothing else I could do but come to him. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I know your name. I know who you are. I am coming for you. Hear my voice, sheep. The main difference I see here between Jesus and the false shepherds is, is very clear. It's one of relationship. That's the primary difference. 
one of relationship. And we're going to see this expanded a little bit more here in just a minute. But the sheep of Jesus are loved by him. That's how they know his voice. They're not looking for love from those other people. They don't need a pretender. They, they hear the authentic king. They hear his voice and they come. I love this contrast and take so much comfort in it. Because here's the thing, even for leaders of the church, I don't care if you're an elder here, a deacon, have a position of authority, or any other pastor, all over the globe, listen, the reality is we are all sheep. We need to hear the voice of the good shepherd. That is the reality of who we are. We have to admit, even leaders of the church today, I am nothing but a little lamb. Hopeless, helpless, needing, begging to hear that whistle that I know who it is. Isaiah 40, chapter, chapter 40, verse 11. <clears throat> he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. He is so personal. It's utterly shocking. So that's one application just embedded in that is just know who Jesus is and the way that he is relating to you. Not cold, impersonal, distant, close, loving, personal. Hear his voice and respond. Another application is this. A way we can express that in the church is to know one another. The church is built, it's built for relationships. We know each other. Together we have heard the good shepherd call. None of us exists in isolation from one another. Verse 6 tells us plainly as we go on, they don't get the point. They don't get it. Jesus is giving them figures of speech to draw out contrasts, and they're not picking up what he's laying down. He goes on. Verse 7, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So now it goes from a gatekeeper who recognizes him. It goes a step closer in intimacy. And Jesus is saying, I am the door. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. Anyone who enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find good food. Jesus is the door. All others, thieves, robbers. Again, we'll see more of this contrast. I want us to note two things about this door. And shepherds would sometimes do this, right? They would, they would sometimes lay themselves in this open space, right? Enclosing their flock and, and laying across, literally, if you're going to have to... You're going to have to go over that shepherd to get to the sheep. Probably the only way they could sleep at times when they're out far away. We're going to keep them in and we're going to seal it off with our body. Okay, so that is one aspect. But here he's making a contrast with everybody else who's, who are thieves and robbers. 
First, notice how open the invitation is. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. That's as broad as it gets. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Salvation offered in Christ is a free offer. It goes out as a free offer. It comes to you and me as a free offer. If anyone enters by me, Jesus says, he will be saved. And we also have to note that that it is incredibly exclusive. So anyone can can come, but you, you only have one way that you can come in. Jesus says there's only one way to this kind of safety that you long for. There's only one way to this green pasture and still water that your soul absolutely needs. It is utterly exclusive. He says, the only way in is through me. If you try to come in any other way, if your good works are enough to climb you over the wall, if your spirituality is enough to let you clamor over like the the Pharisees and scribes, the Jews coming at Jesus, he says, any other way, you're a thief and a robber. The only way in is by him. You see that? It is utterly wide. Anyone, and in the same breath, it is utterly exclusive. Only Christ. promise of Jesus to those who come in is incredible. It's life abundantly. It's a full life. Multiple times already across John, the wolves have been exposed. They, they so hate that Jesus healed the lame man, restoring sight to the blind, giving bread to the hungry and living water to the thirsty. They so hate all those things that they want to kill him. Did I list anything in what Jesus had been doing that that is terrible? Yeah, it was really awful when he fed thousands of people. It's a terrible thing when this man was laying lame from from birth and Jesus tells him to, to stand up. Awful when he takes this blind man and restores his sight. Listen, all of that is this huge contrast with the false shepherds. The false shepherds want to kill him. And yet he's here and he's proving it. He's here to give life abundantly. So from the door we continue these contrasts shifting to the good shepherd. So far, again, Jesus is characterized others as thieves and robbers lying in the backdrop are those who would feed themselves and not call out to the sheep. No, they're going out daily and sacrificing the sheep for their own ends. You eat the fat, he says. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. And then he gets a little more specific. And think about all that Jesus has already done. You have not strengthened the sick. The sick have not been healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled over them. And, And all of that is in the backdrop. And into that backdrop Jesus comes along and says, I am the good shepherd. Isn't that awesome? 
I am the good shepherd. And then he tells us what the good shepherd does. In huge contrast to all those other things, as opposed to killing the sheep, he says, I lay my life down for the sheep. Do you see the contrast? He says, every other leader is out to get from you what they want all the way to your death. And Jesus says, I'm flipping the script on that. As opposed to eating you and fattening myself, I will die for you. Let me show three ways that Jesus is a good shepherd. We just read the first, and it's very simply this. He stays he stays. As opposed to the bad shepherd, Jesus, the good shepherd, characterizes his goodness very succinctly. I lay down my life for the sheep. He stays when it is going to cost his life. Wolves are coming in to devour. Wolves are coming in for us to devour us. And Jesus says, I'm not going to run. I'm going to face it all the way to my death. He stays. Far from seeing what he can get from the sheep, he loves them so much that he is willing to die for them. And then he contrasts this with a hired hand in 12 and 13. He said, these hired guys, they care nothing for the sheep. The hired hand is simply committed to their own well-being. And if their own well-being comes, there's any threat here, they're going to run for it. They're getting out of here. So one way we see he's the good shepherd is he stays and everybody else is running away. Run from death. Run from all these wolves. Run, run, run. And Jesus says, no, I'm facing it. He's utterly different than you and me. So even under threat, the good shepherd stays. Second, the good shepherd again knows his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me. We already saw this earlier. Again, Jesus knows his sheep by name. We're going to hear it in John 11. You know, Jesus had friends. He had buddies. And one of his buddies was Lazarus. Lazarus dead. Lazarus lying in a grave. Jesus knew his name. And he lifts up his voice and calls his name and the dead Lazarus will listen. We'll get there soon enough. The question is, do we believe Jesus still does this? Do you believe that Jesus knows your name? Do you believe that this faith that we hold is a personal faith? Relational. Notice how close Jesus identifies himself with the sheep Verse 15, just as the Father knows me, this is incredible, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is, this is an incredible truth in this chapter. Jesus himself, the very Son of God, characterizes his love for his sheep 
like the love of the Father for him and his love for the Father. And listen, that is remarkable. What does his love look like that would make him stay and take on the cross when no other, no other shepherd could do that? And he says, I'm going to face it. And then he says, this is how much I love you. I love you with the same love that has existed eternally between father and son. Do you see it? That's exactly what he's saying. And this is his love for the sheep. It's incredible intimacy. There has never been a moment. There has never been one moment, even before time existence, existed when the father did not know and love the son perfectly. And the son returned that love perfectly. That has always and will always exist. Every single one of us needs to hear the good shepherd because we desperately need a relationship like this. Listen, our world is, and this is true of you and it's true of me, it's more connected than ever and it's also lonelier than ever. Just go read the stats. I could list a ton of them for you. That would be a waste of my time and your time. Just look it up. We're lonely people. We're a very connected people, but it's not real. And here's why. We're not really known. We're not really known. That's what the good shepherd is, is offering us. Jesus is offering us. Every single one of us craves to the marrow of our bones. We want to be known. And Jesus is saying, I know you. I know you, I love you. And he points to the love that he has with the Father as an illustration. This is my love for you. You want to be known, you can fully be known by the good shepherd. David, the great shepherd king of Israel, risked his life time and time again to spare the flock. Faced lions and bears. And he prevailed out there. Jesus is saying his way to prevail for his sheep is going to be death. His death inviting us into this intimate relationship with him. So the good shepherd stays. The good shepherd knows. And lastly, the good shepherd unifies. Notice verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This verse is carved on the tombstones of many missionaries across the world. Why? Why put this on tombstones of missionaries? Because they see in their work, they see this verse. He's got other people. And guess what? The other people that he's talking about are in this room this morning. It's you and it's me. He's saying this is way bigger than just Israel, right? This isn't just some localized people, this localized flock of Israel. This is his one people, us, the church, his bride. Jesus alone is the unifier of his people. The good shepherd only has one sheep, one people, one flock, one church, one shepherd, one king, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. 
Listen, he creates a huge unified body. And what do we all have in common? People who speak other languages, other cultures, who've who've already gone, dead and gone off the face of the earth. What, What do we all have in common? The church militant and the church triumphant. We have this good shepherd in common. That's what unifies us. Jesus goes on to say that the reason the Father loves me is because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. That is not saying that Jesus is somehow bootstraps his way to love with the Father. What he sees here is that his will and the will of the Father is perfectly aligned. They have one purpose. To come and get lost sheep like us. The shepherd will not remain dead. He says it very plainly. Hey, we're going to be left without a shepherd. He says, no. He has the authority to lay his life down. And Jesus says, I have the authority to take it up again. That is exactly what the good shepherd does. And we're going to see that in chapter 11. He has the authority over death and life. The question that comes to us in light of this first part of John 10 is this. How do we respond to this good shepherd? We see at the very end here that some people say he's demon possessed. He's crazy. And others are like, I don't know. Can a demon possessed man give sight to the blind? It's a split decision. And I think in that John is saying, how do you respond? Do you see him as crazy? To respond to this message embedded in it is this. We have to acknowledge that we are sheep. We're little lambs. We're helpless. We're like a lost kid at night. Hoping desperately for light and to hear our name. And that's exactly what Jesus says he's doing as the good shepherd. Can we admit that we're sheep, that we need this good shepherd. One last thing, this is so incredibly gracious. Jesus, our shepherd, is also a lamb. It's not that he's unacquainted with the life of a sheep. What did John the Baptist say when he pointed at him earlier in this gospel? What did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's remarkable. He is the good shepherd, but he is also a lamb who will lay his life down for us. How will we respond to the good shepherd? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the door, that in you we have incredible safety. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. Lord, in an era just rife with false shepherds, false ways, so many thieves and robbers, remind us again of your gospel and point us back to you, Christ, a crucified and risen king. Thank you that when every other one was running, you were running towards. 
Lord, shape us in this truth. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.